Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. And certainly the flavour, I think, that comes across when we have uh, people coming in, you know, to, to church for the first time. And that's certainly something that we want to impart to them. They experience a transformational encounter with God while they're here. So uh, I'm going to speak tonight very briefly um, on uh, some big picture stuff. And then I want to start honing in on some personal stuff. And then we're going to get in and do some activation, if that's okay. So I want to just very briefly touch on having a look at, at the worship ministry, which is what we're part of here. What is a worship ministry? How does that look like through a five-fold lens? Now, a five-fold lens is uh, the Ephesians 4. It said that Jesus gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers for the building up and the edification of the body. So these are the gifts which Christ gave to the church. These are expressions of who he is and his character. Jesus was all five of those things. But he's split those up and he's given those anointings to the church. So we should, a healthy church should display every single one of those five-fold functions. Whether you actually have those people, you know, you have recognized prophets or apostles or something in, you know, in in the congregation actually is irrelevant. The church itself holds those fivefold functions and a healthy church will display those. So out of those five, what are the two primary ones that you think the worship ministry really hones in on? Are you going to ask me, what were they again? <laughs> Apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral or shepherding or teaching hmm all five of them what are the two two primarily that that worship ministry really really encapsulates huh pastoral and the prophetic oh, 10 out of 10 you can come up and do my notes if you like yeah so so out of the functions of the church, I'm not calling the, not the offices, we're not, we're not looking at that time. We're looking at the function, the fivefold function of ministry. They are primarily prophetic. So worship has a prophetic function. So as you lead worship, as you lead uh, the congregation, you are performing a prophetic function in the church. You're also performing a shepherding function. Okay, because what you're doing is you are leading the flock. So you are shepherding, you are leading as well. And so I want to talk about a couple of the characteristics of, uh, of what that might look like through this pastoral, uh, th- sorry, through the worship ministry of which we all partake. The prophetic function is attuned to the leading of the Holy Spirit at any given moment. So as you're leading, you should be open enough and aware enough of what the Holy Spirit is doing and where the Holy Spirit is leading. You of all people, during the time where we are worshipping, should be attuned to the Spirit, whether you're playing drums, whether you're playing the bass guitar, whether you're leading or seconding or any of those worship functions. All right? You should be aware of what God is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing at any given moment. And that's something that you learn to do. 
It isn't something that you just have, all right? It's not some mystical thing that, you know, people have. It's something that you can learn to do and you can learn to become sensitive to what God's doing. The prophetic function, prophets and prophetic function brings and promotes a vertical aligned culture. So again, as you hooking into the spirit, you are leading the congregation in creating a vertical culture, right? So we are connecting up with the Holy Spirit and doing that, first of all, with ourselves, but also leading that in with our congregation and showing them how to do that. So you're leading this prophetic culture in the church. As worship leaders, you deal with spiritual climates. You create spiritual climates. You counteract spiritual climates. You come against spiritual climates and you break through spiritual climates. All right? So again, that's part of the prophetic is that, that prophets create spiritual climates and this is part of the function that you have as worship leaders. Okay, so there's a breakthrough anointing that comes with the prophetic. Prophets insist that the community obey God's commands. They can be quite dogmatic sometimes, quite pointed and quite sharp in the way that they do things because that's who they are. That's what prophets are called to do. They're called to bring people to that vertical alignment. Right? So they, there can be that as well. They question the status quo. And sometimes that can be in the way that they speak. Other times you'll find that that becomes externalised in the way that they dress, in the way that they hold themselves and things like that, which is where you get these quirky muso types, right? Because they sort of align themselves with that prophetic thing and, and they just, you know, they don't like to toe the line, right? But they like to be a bit quirky and that's okay too, right? It's okay to be different, all right? Just so long as you make sure that you're wearing appropriate stuff when you're actually up on stage. <laughs> Just want to put that one in, Carrie Ann. I'm not giving you any permission to go and. Uh, you know, anyway, um, so, so you know, they'll do that. They will, they will challenge the status quo, particularly if they see that something is really far off. That'll be challenged and brought back into line. That is what the prophetic function does, and you do that. You know, that's that's part of challenging spiritual climates. If you're recognizing that there is something not right, then as you're leading worship, you can bring that correction, you know, through the worship. You can bring that anointing with you. So. Those are sort of some of the things that the prophetic anointing will do, all right? And those are the things that you will be growing into and engage with and be, be learning to minister as you minister through worship. Some of, the, some of the, the, the downsides of the prophetic anointing is that without other types of leadership in place, prophets and prophetic people can become over-controlling or disengage from the imperfections of reality and become otherworldly, all right? So... Because they're very vertically aligned, when they see others who aren't, right, and they bring, you know, try to bring correction and that's not received, there can be a, a perfectionism that comes along with that. So there, there can be a disengagement, right, with where they see things aren't quite right, okay? And uh, they can become detached and idealistic perfectionists, which is why we need some of the other leadership gifts to come and bring balance to the prophetic, and so we have the shepherding function. The shepherding function of worship is shepherds nurture and they protect. And that is what we're here to do as we worship. All right? We are shepherding the flock. We are leading the flock. 
we're leading them into a place where they can encounter God. And they protect, right? If you can't bring that spiritual atmosphere that promotes that place of protection, then, then you're leaving the congregation vulnerable. Yeah? And, and in worship, we're probably more vulnerable than any other time because it's at a time that we and the congregation have our hearts wide open. Okay, So there is that, that protection function that happens as well within the shepherding. Caregivers of the community, they focus on the protection and the spiritual maturity of the flock. Okay, So you are leading worship. You are bringing the congregation into maturity. So there is that, that leading and shepherding, maturing function that you have. Cultivate loving, spiritual, mature networks of relationships by making and developing disciples. You know, if, if part of the, the worship ministry is not to bring the congregation through, then there's no need to lead. No need to lead whatsoever. We might as well just, just stick the words on the overhead and just go for it, right? But you're not. You're leading worship, so you are shepherding the flock. Shepherds can value stability to the detriment of the mission. In other words, they play safe, all right? Because shepherds are very much about gathering people and drawing them in and, and loving, all right? They can be too safe sometimes, Right? And don't try to do new things. Don't try to push forward, right? which is the other half of what the prophetic does because the prophetic does push forward. Right? Whereas the shepherd tends to not push forward, tends to play safe. So there's a balance that happens between the two. They can foster an unhealthy dependence between the church and themselves. This is a dysfunction which keeps the flock immature. Okay, so, so where there's a, an overliking of that, that relationship of, of leading and having people follow you, you can keep them immature. The idea with worship is that you lead the congregation to the point where you're out of a job, right? You want the congregation to get to a point of maturity in their relationship with God, where they can worship freely and fully and maturely, and your job will become much more fun uh, when that happens. So don't... don't Try to keep the congregation down or distance yourself from them, but bring them on. So as, you, as we look at the big picture of worship ministry, we see those two of the fivefold functions working hand in hand in providing that cutting edge breakthrough prophetic dynamic. You know, that is the edge, the sharp pointy edge of the sword. And then you've got the shepherding, which is the shield and the nurturing and the, the disciple, the discipling, which leads that congregation to that place of maturity. And there is a tension between those two. You know, anybody who, who has a leaning towards, uh, you know, that, that mix of prophetic and shepherding will find they are in tension. But that's a tension that needs to be kept because each one holds the other one, the extremes of the other one in check. So, big picture stuff. Um, where are we? Here we go. There's my water. Um, so, how's that? All right? Yeah? All right. Well, um, what we'll do now is I want to speak on some personal issues. 
we are looking at prophetic activation today. So we want to be looking at uh, developing how we move in the gifts of the Spirit. And um, we did a bunch of exercises last time I was here. We're going to do some more in a minute. But uh, I want to speak briefly. Moving in the Spirit isn't so much like learning a skill as it is in nurturing a relationship. If you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit, you need to be cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's where it happens from. That's how it happens. It's not about learning how to do something. Like you might go to work and learn a skill, all right? You don't get that skill, put it in your back pocket and say, awesome, I've got that one, now let's move on to the next one. It's not. It's developing a relationship. And it comes out of that relationship. And the deeper that you cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit, the greater you will have a sensitivity to hear him and be able to sense how the Holy Spirit is moving, you'll begin to, as you do, you know, with any relationship, when you first begin to know somebody, right, you, you will talk in general terms, you'll then begin to talk to each other about personal things. And, but as you really get to know somebody, you can spend time with that person without talking at all. You just pick up on the nuances of how they are and how they feel. And when you cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to pick up on those nuances of how he's moving and where he's moving. So it's not about learning skills. It's about nurturing a relationship. So, uh, so what I want to do now is I want you all to close your eyes. And I just want you now to focus on getting a sense of the Holy Spirit's presence with you. How many people can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit with them? Yeah. Okay, you can open your eyes again. Okay, it's that simple. All right? Just become aware. Become aware that he is with you. Become aware that he's beside you. And when you do, then you, you come into this place where you interact with one another and there's a, there's, a, there's a word that they use for the Trinity, which is perichoresis, which is, is a word for a dance, where two people are so entwined with each other in a dance that you can't tell the difference between one person or the other person. And that's really where we want to get to. We want to get to the place where we cultivate that kind of dance with the Lord that we can't tell when he's speaking, when we're speaking. When he moves, we move. Okay, We follow his lead and he leads us in the dance. And as we do that, then we can lead others as well in that. And that's really where we want to get to. Okay. So, moving in the spirit. As people of the Spirit, we've been sanctified. Sanctified is another one of those fancy words, not as fancy as perichoresis, but anyway, it's one of those fancy words which means to be separated unto something. It means to be separated from the ordinary, the everyday, the mundane, and be separated unto something holy. And the Holy Spirit has separated us from the world into a holy function and that function is worship 
right? As worship leaders, we have been separated for this role, for this function, to receive these anointings for the body of Christ. You've been separated, not just separated from stuff, but you have been separated to a function. And that's really that bit that you really want to grab a hold of, is that you've been separated to something. Because once you grab a hold of the vision of what you've been separated unto, then it'll always feel like a drag. It'll always feel like you're being controlled. It'll feel feel like you're trying to give up stuff and, and it's all loss. But once you get a hold of a vision of what you've been separated unto, you will run towards it because what you're separated unto is relationship with the Holy Spirit. It brings you life, brings you purpose. Okay, so this is a high calling, high calling. This isn't ordinary stuff. This isn't mundane stuff. You've been called to a high calling. Yeah, and embrace that, look towards that. So the relationship with the Holy Spirit is like marriage. In fact, it's closer than marriage because my relationship with the Holy Spirit is 24-7. I'm not always with Becky 24-7. Yeah? So the relationship with the Holy Spirit is that close. He's always there, always there. And we can at any time just stop, take charge and say, where are you? And just get a sense of his presence. doesn't matter where you are. It can do it anywhere. Now, like any relationship, uh, we do things wrong. I do things and I say things that hurt my wife, usually because I'm ignorant of what I'm doing, right? But I do things, all right? I, that just happens. But I clear those things up pretty quickly. However, if I was to persist in a way of behavior or in a way that I acted towards her, or in the things that I said to her, if I did that persistently without regard to her feelings, then what I'm doing is I'm damaging my relationship with my wife. We will all do things wrong. But we can get over those things real quick. But it is the persistence of particular habits and patterns of behaviour which damage relationships. And it is those things that we need to be separated from if we're to develop this relationship with the Holy Spirit where we can begin to dance. It's one thing to hurt the Holy Spirit when we sin, and if we do, then we confess it. We keep a short account, we deal with it, we get it out of the way, and we carry on with our relationship. It's another thing entirely when we grieve him by our lifestyle, we grieve him by the things that we allow, or we make excuses for things in our life and we never deal with them. Because these are things that underlyingly damage the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit and damage how we interact with him, how we hear from him, how he is able to lead us. So it's important that we are separated from certain things in order to be separated unto greater things. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19, it says, Do not grieve or stifle the Holy Spirit. In the Amplified, it says, do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit, you can hurt. His feelings get hurt. You can grieve him. You can quench him. That word quench, in every single place in the New Testament, is always exclusively talking about quenching fire. 
every single place. This is the only place where it, isn't mentioned, where it doesn't mention fire with quenching. But we know that one of the things that the Holy Spirit is spoken about, one of the images of the Holy Spirit is that he is a fire. Pentecost, what happened? Tongues of fire came down. You know, the Holy Spirit is a fire, a refining fire. And we can quench that. We can put it out. We can put it out. And we put it out by having behavioural attitudes in our lives that we just don't keep in check because we aren't mindful of the Holy Spirit's sensibilities. So we want to learn how to hear his voice when we're on the platform because really this is where, this is where the bulk of your public ministry happens, is up here. So you have a platform ministry. So you need to know and be confident enough to know how to hear the Holy Spirit, what he's saying and how he's leading so that you can stay in step with the Holy Spirit. And so you need to learn to do that publicly and in front of people. And that can be scary. That can be scary. It can be safe to stay back and just say, well, I'm just going to sing the words and I'm just going to play the notes and play safe. All right? But that's not what you're called to. You know, you're called to something more than that. You're called to be a minister of the Holy Spirit. And so you need to learn how to dance with him. Bill Johnson says, If the Holy Spirit was like a dove resting on your shoulder, how would you live your life? How would you live your life? You've got a dove sitting on your shoulder. You'd be walking around really carefully. All right? And again, the dove is another picture of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be careful how we treat the Holy Spirit. We need to be careful and mindful of the relationship that we have with him. Our whole life needs to nurture this relationship. Changing our habits, the ways that we do things, is called sanctification. It's being set apart from these things and being set apart to do something of worth, do something noble, do something glorious, and that is we're leading worship. So we're set apart to do those things. And if you really desire, if you really hunger for more of the Holy Spirit, you really desire to learn how to hear his voice and learn how to keep in step with him, then you're going to need to separate yourself from some things. And those things might in themselves not be an issue for other people. But because of the place that you've been called to, because of the type of leadership that you've been called to, because of the responsibility that's been placed on you, those things might be okay for others, but may not be okay for you. Because you need a greater sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, a greater degree of separation from ordinary things in order to keep yourself in that place where you just know how he dances. I don't know if you've ever tried to force your way into a cluttered room. I got three kids. I'm constantly trying to force my way into their rooms where they've left their toys and their clothes and everything else. You know, and you open up the door and, you know, and it opens up so far. And you've got to force your way in. You know, sometimes worship can feel like that. 
sometimes we just feel that we've got to force our way into a breakthrough. And I want to ask you, if you feel that you're always trying to force your way into this place, maybe, maybe there's some clutter in your heart that needs to be removed. Because if you pick the stuff off the floor, the door swings freely. In my own life, I've had many things that I need to be separated from. And I'm pretty stubborn. I usually pick them back up again and I have to put them down again. Um, you know, and I've had various things in my life which I've had to deal with and I've had to let go because I've recognised the calling that's on my life. And if I recognise the calling on my life, I need to take that seriously. And you've got a calling on your life. You've got a calling on your life to worship. You've got a calling on your life to lead this. You've got a responsibility to a congregation. And that calling requires that you recognise it and that you behave accordingly. I've had to give up motorcycles, music, certain game genres. There's been Netflix series that I've had to stop watching because it hasn't been good for my soul. And it might be okay for other people, but it's not okay for me. And that's not because we've made a blanket law that everybody has to watch certain programs. That's what the Holy Spirit said to me. That's how he's leading me. Because he knows that I need to be sensitive enough. And when I see those things, do those things, watch those things, it dulls my hearing. It dulls my sensitivity. And it means that when I am in a place where I need to respond with grace and I need to respond in a way, I have to force the door open. Been clutter because I just junked up my room of my heart. So we need to get rid of that stuff. That's taken much longer than I was hoping. Anyway, I'm hoping that, that you're getting something out of it. So what we're going to do, right, uh, we're, we're now going to do, do some other stuff now. Okay, so that's the, that's the preamble gone. So we're going to do some activation anyway. Now I get into my seven-point sermon. That was the introduction, though. No. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to go on a prophetic journey together. All right? We're actually going to do some prophetic activation. All right. And what we're going to do is I, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that you are on a journey. You've got a backpack on and you're walking wherever you're walking. Imagine the scene, whatever that is. Have a look around you. See what's in the distance. See what's in the foreground. What are you walking on? Are you walking on the sand? Are you walking on a road? Is this a footpath? Are you in the countryside? Are you by the sea? doesn't matter where you are. But you're on a journey. You're on a walk. You've got a backpack on. Can you hear the sounds that are around you? Have a look in the sky. What's the sky like? And as you're going on this journey, the road starts to become a little tougher. The walk becomes a little bit more precarious than it was before. It was, it was easy going before. Now it's not so easy. The path is getting narrower. 
it's becoming a little bit steep. There might be some obstacles in the way that you have to navigate your way around. And your backpack begins to get really heavy, begins to weigh down on your shoulders and cut in. And you start to feel the burn in your legs. So what I want you to do now is I want you to take your backpack off and put it on the ground in front of you. And I want you to open up the top of your backpack. I want you to reach inside and I want you to pull out an object. What's the object? What have you got? Have a look at it. Now I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, why have I pulled this object out of my backpack? Holy Spirit, what does this object represent to me? Now I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, is this something that I need to be separated from? Or is this something that I need to be separated unto? Is this something that I need to leave behind me? Or is this something that I might need to start doing? And when you know what that is, you can put your backpack on and open your eyes. How many people know what the object was? How many people know what to do with it? All right. Well, that's between you and the Lord. No one else needs to know. This is your walk. No one else's. No one else's backpack. It's yours. So there we go. You've either know what to do now or you've decluttered a bit. So that's awesome. Why don't we stand? Okay. What we're going to do now is find yourself a space. Get out of your seats. And find yourself a partner. They can be a real partner. They don't have to be a real partner. Right, have we got an even number of people? Yes, we do. Awesome. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to start off slow and we're going to sort of launch in a bit deeper. So uh, just because of time restrictions, we'll, we'll do this once. And uh, so one of you is going to, we, what we're going to do is we're just going to start off with some prophetic activation, the same as what we did last time. So I want one of you to choose um, uh, who's going to be the person who's going to give the word and the other person is going to be the one who receives the word. Okay? So find out who that's going to be. Alrighty. Now, just before we start, 
I want you to just want to go over a couple of ground rules again, just to remind us of what we're doing here. Okay, we are going to be we're going to be prophesying over one another. Okay, and what that looks like is that the word that we bring forth is going to be encouraging, it's going to be edifying, or it's going to be comforting. All right, when we prophesy. As believers, not as prophets, but as believers, we, we always prophesy within that triangle. Edification, exhortation, or comfort. We never prophesy outside of it. Okay? So don't start giving, you know, words to somebody about their future. Okay? They have permission to hold your tongue if you do. All right? It is always, always edification, exhortation, comfort. So the words you bring will fall into that category. Okay? Um, it's by faith that we do this. We activate by faith, which means we need to step out and do something. We need to step out of our comfort zone and we need to give the Holy Spirit something to, to catch us with. Uh, I've got my kids and when my kids were younger, I used to sit them on the table, stand them on the table and they used to stand underneath them. I'd say, jump. And some of my kids would jump into my arms and I would always catch them. I knew what I was doing. Right? I never dropped them. All right? One of my kids never, ever jumped. They just turned around and played safe and got down like that and because they didn't leave. And that's what faith is. Faith means that we put ourselves in a position where we need to jump and we need to trust the Holy Spirit is there. Now, if you've cultivated the relationship with the Holy Spirit, you know he's there. So you know you can take the jump and he will catch you. So it's always by faith, always by faith. And um, so what I want you to do now is uh, whoever's going to be doing the prophesying, you are going to lay your hands on their head. You are going to speak in tongues for 30 seconds and then you're going to prophesy. Go. Okay, we should all be right in the middle of that prophetic flow now. You might have got a picture. Tell them what the picture is. You might have got a feeling. Tell them what you're feeling. You may just have a sense of what the Holy Spirit's doing. Just describe what you're sensing. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you sensing? Okay. Alrighty. How was that? All good? Yes? Okay. All right. So what we're going to do now is I want you to swap pairs over. So we're going to do something a little bit different this time. All right, we're not going to do the same one again. What we're going to do now is we're going to move in a different gift. Still prophetic, but we're going to move in the gift of interpretation of tongues. So what I want you to do now is I want the person who, who did 
the prophesying the first time, I want you now to spend 30 seconds speaking in tongues to the person and the other person is going to give the prophetic interpretation of that. Remember, this is a place, this is a place where it's okay. This is a safe place. All right, it's a safe place and it's okay if you don't get it. Hey? Yeah, so the person who prophesied is now speaking in tongues and the person who was receiving it before is now going to interpret. So you're going to be listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying through the tongue and you're going to give a prophetic interpretation of that. Go. Okay, how do we go with that one? How do we go? Some people are still enjoying it, you're still going for it. (laughs) Okay, I will need the musos on stage now for this next one. Right, musicians only. Musicians on stage. Okay. Now, I said earlier on that as worship people, we move in the flow of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit brings anointings, okay? So we need to learn to know when the Holy Spirit is bringing a particular anointing and need to then learn how to flow in that, okay? So what we're going to do now is you're all the congregation, What I'm going to do is I'm going to let the musicians see what they're going to be releasing. And I want you to see if you can pick up what they're releasing. And I want you to see if you can sense what that anointing is. And then we'll let you know what it was or what it is. And we'll see. You'll be, you'll, because the way that we discern the move of the Holy Spirit is we do it in groups. What you'll find is as you pray with people, as you begin to give words out within groups, you'll begin to find the Holy Spirit has a theme that he brings out. And you'll find that somebody will give a word and you'll say, hey, you know what, I was feeling the same thing. You know, and, and you might find that with, a, with the main message and a communion message and a word that's given out, you know, within, uh, you know, in, in the worship by one of the worship leaders. And you'll say, hey, you know what, I was thinking the same. I was going to pray that. 
And what you find is it builds confidence within you that you have heard correctly. So it's good to do it in groups like this. So what I want the musicians to do is as they begin to play, I want them to focus on a particular anointing. And as they play, I want you to release that from your heart through what you're playing. All right? And then we're going to see... We're going to see what happens after that. All right. Okay. Okay, so what the musicians are going to do now is as they play, they're going to be focusing on releasing an anointing. And you're going to pick it up. His presence. How many of you felt an anointing? Whether you could grasp what that was, the fact that you felt it, you're already on that pathway. Now, what I showed the band was to release a healing anointing. All right. So if you picked up that there was a, you sensed that this this was the kind of direction that the Holy Spirit was going in, then what you've just, what's been demonstrated here is that we can release things. So as we're worshipping, and as somebody begins to give out a word, the band isn't there just to play. The band is there to join in with that word that's being given. 
and to begin to release that anointing as well. So that when you have unity upstage here in what they're releasing, the power of that magnifies as it flows out over the congregation. So this isn't a passive thing to do. It's not about just playing notes and it's not just about singing words and being able to hold a tune. You are there dancing with the Holy Spirit and able to release that anointing. So we're going to do the same thing again. We're going to up the ante one more time. So I'm going to ask Emma now to get up on the stage and grab a microphone. are going to do the same. He's going to focus on releasing that anointing together. Emma, you're going to be singing this out in tongues and releasing the same anointing. And again, we're then going to see what gets picked up. If at some point in time you feel like interpreting what you're saying, then by all means go for it. All right. I said I was going to pick on you, didn't I? going to sing this one and I want you to pick up on what the Holy Spirit is saying you've already done some prophetic activation you've done some interpretation of tongues this is going to be sung now take it away Come on. 
one who sees and searches our hearts and knows our innermost thoughts. Sees our deepest cries and hears our thoughts. He knows the longing of our hearts. He knows every part. There's nothing that can't be hidden from you, Lord. You see it all, you see it all, you see it all, you see it all. Yet you love us just the same. You love us just the same. You love us just the same. There is no shame in your presence. There is no shame in your presence. There is no shame in your presence. There is now no Lord, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no shame in your presence. There is no shame in your presence. There is no shame in your presence. All our sins are washed away. They're washed away. They're washed away. They're washed away. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. How's that? That was a breakthrough anointing. 
So when you've got the worship leader bringing forth a word, releasing something over the congregation, you've got the band who are bringing the same all together, you can release something over a congregation and just that alone will bring freedom from con, freedom from condemnation. Just release something. It doesn't matter what the Holy Spirit wants to release, but you've got to be sensitive enough to listen to the leading of the Spirit, listen to the leading of the person who's bringing the Word, and the band then needs to come into harmony with that and release the same thing as one body. Release it over the body. I was going to do an open mic session, but we're kind of running out of time. So I just want to leave that with you and hope that you're encouraged. Um, and thank you for inviting me. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.